0: Welcome to the March 2009 uh, edition of Ordinary Means. It's a podcast, and you are our podcast listeners. I'm Sean Nolan, and this is Matt Bowling. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing good, Matt. How are you? Good. You made it back from overseas. I made it back from overseas. We apologize for not having a February installment. Uh, but as Matt mentioned, I was out of the country, and I'd love to tell you about that. Uh, so if you want to shoot me an email, I can tell you about where I was and what I was doing, uh, all for the sake of the ordinary means. Um, Amen. The, uh, I, I can tell you this, that the gospel is alive and well in some countries where uh, the persecution of the church is very, very strong. Mm. Uh, so that is a, it was a wonderful blessing to be able to serve and, you know, coming back, I have to say, cause this fits into our, our topic here, uh, coming back from that, I, I felt that they taught me something about a dependence on God and his means, mm. uh, That's because they, they didn't, this country did not have the resources and yet, uh, you know they they didn't have the access to all of the methodologies to all of the the little enticements that churches here get all the different you know just use this Bible study and it 'll transform your church you know they didn't have any of that they they had the the Word of God and they had some good books um they they 've been able to get good books through uh people taking them to them and uh and they they are just relying on the word, the sacraments and prayer, and God is God is reaching non believers of other religious stripes. <laughs> so um it's just it's very, awesome. very encouraging to see uh see what the Lord is doing there and it you know, puts I, I tell people if you're a pastor you need to be going to uh developing countries. You need to be taking teams there. Uh, if you can't get a team together, go with a team, MTW. Um, the PCA's mission organization is regularly sending uh, medical teams. I went with a medical team as a pastor, and um, they're regularly sending teams where you can go. And it, it does a number of things. I think, number one, it, it, it keeps your head on straight. <laughs> Most pastors in America are are pastoring in suburban or wannabe suburban settings right. that really are—we become overly comfortable. Hmm. Um, in fact, I just had—I just got my hair cut yesterday. And uh, how's it look, Matt? Looks oh, great, Sean. Oh, thanks. Thanks. You can see it all the way from the east, mm-hmm, from the west coast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Is it that duck my, look? Yes, yeah, it's not the duck look. Um, so we— um, I just got my haircut yesterday, and my my hairdresser is a believer. And she was she has just got back from uh, Dominican Republic, mm. and she was saying the same thing. She was saying, "Man, people over here need to go overseas because it it puts your head on straight, it, it mm. gets your priorities in order. Um, it's it's a sacrifice to do it. You know, it costs money. It's um, yeah. it costs time." Uh, but it is, I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. So I, I think it gets your head on straight. Um, I think for me, it, um, it reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing. It, it gets, it gives gets God and God's ministry back at the core of, um, of why I'm here. And, uh, and then I, I had an interesting question. Somebody asked me when they found out I was going, Uh, to this place, they they asked me, they said, why are you putting yourself uh, in harm's way when you have a young family? I I found that very interesting because that's a, I think that's going to be a typical question that we're going to see and the typical response is going to be, oh, I have a young family, you're right, I shouldn't go.
1: Right, as though uh, Jesus asks us to play it safe.
0: Yes. Exactly, and and there to uh,
1: are, uh, waste our waste our lives playing safe the whole time to uh, pop the title of a good book.
0: Yeah, so there are there are even reformed ministries um, that will say to you, you know, the most important thing in your life is your kids, or the most important thing in your life is your you know relationship with your daughter, or your relationship with your son, or your relationship with your spouse. And I'm I'm not going to question those are important things. But and I'm and what I'm about to say, I'm saying with the full agreement of my wife, the gospel is more important than my family.
1: Jesus doesn't that the kind of claim that Jesus makes, isn't it? Doesn't he actually entice us towards that kind of perspective? That isn't he who leaves father, mother, brothers, won't he yep. receive thirty, sixty? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's oh, that yeah. kind of Gospel economy—that's entirely different than the way we would normally think about it.
0: Yeah, my my opinion is some of these ministries that are so, uh, pardon me, fo- so focused on the family. I'm I'm not talking about focus on the family, but some of these ministries that are so focused on the family, they, um, what they what they they can only exist. Put it this way, they can only exist in an American cultural context. Right, well put uh, they cannot if you were to try to do uh some of these some of these organizations um in in a developing country, you know they would laugh at you partly because there already is a strong um interrelationship in the family, and they don't they don't need that mm-hmm. um but partly too is because they're they're seeing their kids dying left and right um they understand there are more important things in life than than keeping your your family uh, comfortable. Mm-hmm. To put it, I'm I'm being purposely vague. Can you can you tell? Yes, <laughs> purposely vague. Oh, I like it. Okay, well, <clears throat> on to our our topic. I think we're gonna this month. Uh, Matt and I want to close up a topic we've been talking about the past couple podcasts. And that is, how does the gospel relate to the ordinary means of grace? Uh, how does um, the grace of God, you know, how does the mercy of God through Jesus Christ's atoning death on the cross, how does that fit in with these things we do called the ordinary means? The preaching of the word, the administering of the sacraments, um, the... Uh, uh, the the uh, prayer offering offering prayers to god how does aren't those just things we do aren't those things that fall into the category of sanctification and the gospel is about justification now hmm. if you've been listening to us long enough uh you know that that in our opinion is is heresy beyond all heresy to say <laughs> that the gospel only relates to justification um because well it, we're
1: sanctified by works Sean don't you agree with that Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We would never say
0: that. We just tend to live that way. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I have a quote from Calvin here. Uh, Calvin said that being good is just another way we suppress the knowledge of God. I like that quote. That's fascinating. Being good is just another way we suppress the knowledge of God. And yeah, that, it, it, that's what works does. Right, right. Oh, any time that the focus gets put on
1: us, whether we've gone done good or bad, and that's how we think of our spiritual lives, we've instantly made the mistake that makes our salvation necessary. Yes. Because we've said, um, I'm the I'm the one upon all upon whom all of this relies. Where God's trying to say, No,
0: rely on me. Rely on me <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we we talked about, um, first, we walked through, just to sort of, if you haven't been listening up to this point, catch catch you up, as they say. Uh, Is that a Pittsburgh thing? Catch you up? Maybe. Is that, do they, other people say that in other places? Um, not sure. Okay. Well, the first thing we did is we walked through the Westminster Confession and Catechisms. And we saw that everywhere that the ordinary means was mentioned, uh, it is distinguished from uh, the works of faith. It's distinguished as uh, being of a, of a different category, that these things, these means are not works that in any way accomplish uh, anything or gain us any approval with God. And then the very name that the Confession calls them, it calls them the ordinary means of salvation, or the ordinary means of grace. You know, what's that saying right there? That these are all about the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And so we asked the question, how are they about the gospel? And the answer that we gave was uh, that the ordinary means are how we demonstrate our God word for gospel dependence. They're yep. not something we do or well, they are something we do, but they're not something we do to gain something from God. They're something we do to say, God, I'm not going to do these other things. I'm going to do these things that you have set aside, your means, as as an act of sacrifice to say, my dependence is not on the things that the world is offering me. My dependence is on you, God. You mm. you are my light and my salvation.
1: Yep. Well put.
0: So that I mean that sort of brings you up to speed. We had a a number of things. I don't know if you're Matt. You're looking through the the notes that we've got here. Um, right. Anything else you think we need to uh, recall? We talked about uh, the difference between legalism and antinomianism. Um, you know that essentially. The legalist and the antinomian are striving at, after the same thing.
1: Yeah, they're both trying to. Do, as In Keller's words, self salvation, either yeah. by <clears throat> avoiding God and saving themselves by avoiding God, or by uh, by trying to do stuff to make God disposed towards them. But either way, it's it's really about me and me solving my own problems, and in that way, um, you have self salvation i this this point that we made near the end of the last podcast in terms of um you know going to your your session or your consistory or whoever your your governing board is as a pastor and saying or as an elder you know we're we're not attracting enough people we need this new idea um and we need this new methodology and um I, I think that that's the constantly the pull because that's pitch pitch to us. It's the mail that you and I get, Sean. You know oh, yeah. this will do. You know, and and the point we think that we're making, <laughs> the point that we want to make, and hopefully we're making, um, is uh, are we doing the ordinary means things well? Um, and, and if we are, then we have great reason to pray and trust that God's actually going to use us. Um, so this isn't you know just uh, it, when I talk about this with pastors, sometimes they'll say, "Well, well, I preach every week and I go, well, how's your preaching? Now if you're gonna read a, if you're going to read a book about, uh, about how to improve your ministry, keep reading about preaching. Keep trying to <laughs> have God convince you that this is how he wants to transform people and read the best people that you can on preaching. And that's a way that you can, if you will, quote, stay current. But stay current about the ordinary means and the best way to do that intentionally with today's unbelievers and the things that, that are challenged um, even believers today. Um, and so that's a way that uh, I have found. I'm constantly reading stuff, but I'm reading stuff within the ordinary means paradigm. I'm saying, how can this help me do my ordinary means ministry
0: uh, well? Well, see, that's the interesting thing about what you've, you've called the ordinary means paradigm. Is that it's not because it's not a methodology. Right. You can be reading anything on preaching, and right. if you're reading it with discernment, uh, if you're reading it in a biblical context, you can be able to look at it and say, you know what, that you know that portion there, you know that's just fluffy methodology. They're just trying to, you know, that point that point is fluff. But mm-hmm. but there, you know, I think I think they're keying into something that that is uh, timeless. That's not just part of the current thinking, you know. That's not just because Tim Keller said it. You know, I love right. I like on our podcast we have to offend everybody equally. Okay, so if if you love Tim Keller, that's great. But if you love Tim Keller, you know, get over your man crush. And and uh, recognize that he, he doesn't have the last word. And Tim Keller himself will tell you if you were to talk to him, he'd say, I don't have the last word. I don't have the last word on these things. And he'll tell you he's just stealing most of this stuff. This is a great point to apply C.S. Lewis. Mm. You know, C.S. Lewis, comment that, you know, every time you need read a new book, read an old book. Uh, yeah. Is needs to be applied in these categories. Don't just read the latest stuff on preaching. Go back and and you know shed some blood over some Puritans on preaching, and you know go back and read Edwards on preaching. You know read some of these. There's a new new book. Here you go, uh, Martin Martin Busser. Uh Calvin loved the man. Oh yeah, absolutely loved the man. His book on pastoral care. Is now available in English. Oh wow! It just just came available. I just got my copy, and hey, go read that. Right, um,
1: but for a private you know, private ministry of the word with people. Yep, yeah,
0: yep. So, uh, so we don't want people to think in terms of um, of ordinary means being a methodology. You know the the example we gave, Matt, and the I think this is in the last podcast that you go either you go as a member of your church, or you go as a member of the staff of your church, um, or you go as maybe as one of the pastors in your church, and you go to your elders, and you say, you know, I've been listening to this podcast, ordinary means, and I'm and I'm I'm you know just curious what you guys think about this stuff, mm-hmm. and. Um, you, you should do it very generously. You know, do it with utmost respect for your elders. Do not go blazing in with both guns bearing. Is that right? Both guns... Barreling. Barreling. It does, still doesn't sound right, but you know... Blazing. What I mean. blazing. blazing. Both guns blazing. There we go. Uh, you know, don't just go in like that. Um, you know, this because this isn't a methodology. This isn't a new methodology. This is saying, are we... Uh, are we being biblical in what we're doing? And so, w- what we tend to do, what what churches today tend to do, is they pick up on a new program and they get excited about it, mm-hmm. and and so they they sign people up, they preach on it, they you know they do classes on it, they sign people up, they schedule events, they train people, they put you know they put them through the three week training course you know and they say we have found the thing this is going to revolutionize our church and 40 days of
1: purpose was one of these we, kinds of yeah, things if one you're of looking those for kinds. a tangible example
0: exactly and and it, it usually it did go great but usually the reason psychologically or sociologically why it goes great is because all of a sudden you're mustering people all of all of a sudden you, you are getting people going and involved and active Now, what if we put that sort of effort instead of putting that into a program, put that sort of effort into just people naturally evangelizing, right? People naturally getting excited about what the preaching of the word of God could mean. Because let me tell you, when the when the congregation gets excited about hearing sermons and getting something out of them, that that renews the pastor.
1: Well, and, and if one of the things that I think I've said in this podcast before, and it, it's, it's convicting to me in the way that I go about preaching, but I think it's right. So I keep saying it to myself because I think it's a good quote. Um, one of the things that I've appreciated that Tim Keller said is he said, how would it change our preaching if we actually anticipated that 50% of the people who were there would be unbelievers? Now, preaching on Sunday, and Tim himself would say this is doxological evangelism, to use Clowney's term. So we're not there being seeker-sensitive. We're not there simply doing evangelism as though all we need to do is an altar call each Sunday and proclaim the gospel. But it certainly makes our preaching have a different flavor to it. When we anticipate the questions that an unbeliever might have, um, I'm doing the conversion of Saul this week. This certainly looks like a psychological condition that this guy underwent. Yeah. Um, And that's the way it's going to be interpreted by people who are in our therapeutic culture. So do I touch that at all and say, now this might look like this guy's like manic depressive or something like that to you. But let me tell you, that is not what's going on here. What's going on here is the spirit of God has come into his life and renovated his heart. And he can do this to people who are really messed up. Do you believe that? Now, see, just by doing it that way, I've authentically talked about, with my Reformed hat on, sovereign grace, being born again by the Spirit, that that needs to precede faith, but I've also done it in a way where I've said, who are the people who are going to be listening to this? I've done it, I've used the ordinary means of grace intentionally, because I've thought through what are the kind of objections that people might have. That's the kind of thing we're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, revisiting your preaching and saying, "Am am I understandable to... I, a non-believer who might be sitting here. Right. Um, at the same time, am I, you know, am I understandable to all of the believers who might am be I sitting I here? Am
1: edifying to the believers and understandable to the unbelievers?
0: Yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes we miss that not all believers are going to be, you know, with it on all the theological terminology, and so you throw out a term like superlapsarianism, you know people aren't going to get not everybody's going to get that joke right and um, you know so this isn't this i think what you're suggesting matt is not only good for uh helping a church to be a church where unbelievers could be invited mm-hmm. because if if you're if your congregation is having a hard time understanding your sermons they're not going to bring in nonbelievers
1: right you the experience you want in my mind, the experience that I want for my people is for them to say, my unbelieving neighbor really needs to hear this because this is right where they're at.
0: Yeah. But they, you also want them saying, this is what I need to hear because this is right exactly. where I'm at.
1: Yeah. And and by centering on the gospel, I think that we always do that because all of us are in need of the gospel every day. You know, that doesn't change. It's fixed about us. Um, so we've, we've talked on some of this before. I probably shouldn't wax eloquent on this.
0: <laughs> well, talking, getting back to talking about methodology, which, which is essentially what we're talking about, is you know what do you do when the when the program that you've established that everybody got excited about begins to teeter? Um, <laughs> well, usually there, there's a couple directions. Number one, you can just keep feeding the program,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and in many cases churches will do that and will have programs that they do for no other reason except they can't, the, you know, the pride, personal pride can't handle dropping the program. If
1: we shut this down, what we've always maintained as the thing our church does would be no longer. We, yeah. It's almost like an identity
0: crisis. We, you think I was just going to say that? It's an idol. Yeah. having having We could probably do a whole episode on having uh, having church programs as idols. As mini- yeah, ministry idols. Now, the, scary stuff. The the flip side of that is what you were we were just talking about. Matt is is analyzing instead of saying, "Let's look for a new program. Let's look for a new trick that works." Analyzing your church with respect to the ordinary means: word, sacrament, mm. and prayer. Mm-hmm. Honestly, sitting down as elders and talking, um, and and doing it doing it patiently doing it kindly, you know, this is not, this is not the time to, um, you know, nail the pastor, put another nail in the pastor's coffin. Uh, (laughs) You know, this is, this is sitting down, usually it's, it's, it would be the elders. Sometimes elders like to do this with some of the congregation there, um, or even the whole congregation. You know, Matt, I think you and I have been in meetings where, where the whole congregation got together and did five and 10 year goals. Oh, yeah, yep. so you know that's it's not uncalled for. it's there there are pluses and minuses. Um, you know the whole five tier ten year goal mentality can be a little programmatic, so you have to do it with some caution. Um, so we're not we're not saying you must f- have five ten year goals, but we're saying what you want to do, and I'll give you an example. Our uh, church sat down about two years ago. And and we looked at the ordinary means, hmm. and we said, you know, where are we weak? Where are we strong? How can we play to our strengths? How can we uh, strengthen our weaknesses? And one of the ways we saw we were weak was in evangelism. Hmm. So we said, okay, next book I preach through is going to be the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very simple things like that. Um. Not saying there is there's also a tendency, I think to say, well, w- ordinary means well, we have preaching, uh we have sacraments, <clears throat> we pray, so therefore right. we 're being faithful, we don 't have to do anything else right and and it, which is which is intriguing because probably
1: oh uh, i'd say when we started this podcast, I was growing uncomfortable with what you just said. I just started growing uncomfortable saying, is this all that God expects of us is simply to be faithful? Or, when I look scripturally at the way ministry was done, was there another aspect besides them just being faithful? And the way that I put this, and this isn't Sean's word, so this is Matt's word, is intentional. It's like I said earlier about the preaching. It's that the faithful aspect is that I choose to put a good proportion of my time every week. From the world's eyes, it looks ridiculous how much time I put into 30 minutes of flapping my lips. But I do it by faith. And I do it in a way where I constantly want to grow in it. My associate pastor and I... Every Tuesday morning he takes Mondays off. Every Tuesday morning we dialogue back and forth both of our sermons from Sunday, how we could have done better. Because our earnest desire is that we would be the sharpest tool possible for those 30-minute shots that we have with unbelievers and believers. That's how we in my mind were faithful and intentional and we trust God and depend on him to use these means to transform people. And he does. That's what's
0: amazing. He does. And we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, we should never want faithful to be an excuse. Exactly. Good. Well put. Yeah, because I, I I think we do that. I'm guilty of that. Um, you know, you've just confessed to being guilty of that, so I figure I can mm-hmm. I can confess now. <laughs> because well, it's far I'm, easier? It's I'm in common company. in our
1: circles just to say, well, I'm faithful. Yeah. Without without going on and saying. For example, was the Apostle Paul more than simply faithful? You can't teach, as Sean has, and I am, you can't teach through the book of Acts and go, oh, Paul was just all about being faithful. Certainly he was, but he was a lot more than faithful. He was incredibly intentional uh, about his ministry.
0: Yeah, ministry involves risk if we're doing it right. Yes. If we're being faithful. I I think Mm -hmm. you could put it that way. If I'm being faithful to Jesus Christ, my ministry is going to be a risk-taking ministry in that I'm going to preach things that people might not want to hear. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am going to be praying for things that aren't necessarily, don't necessarily seem like you know, for example, I'll g- give you one example that comes to mind. Um, you know, Aunt Bertha is having her spleen removed. And, you know, this is what we usually pray for, right? 90% right. of all prayers are for Aunt Bertha's spleen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's nothing wrong with Aunt, nothing against Aunt Bertha. I love Aunt Bertha dearly, and I love her spleen, even though it'll no longer be with her. <laughs> um, but, but we do. We tend to just pray for everybody's sicknesses. And... Risk-taking prayer says, "says Lord, you know, I want Aunt Bertha healed. I want Aunt Bertha well. I want her to come through surgery well. But you know what, Lord? I want Aunt Bertha to grow as a Christian and to grow in her relationship with Christ and in her knowledge of God because of her spleen surgery. Mm-hmm. And so if that means that Aunt Bertha is going to go through some tough times.
1: Between here and there.
0: Between here and there. I pray Lord that you would sustain her through those times. And then here's here's the one more risk. And Lord give me the grace to sit with her faithfully hmm. through that time. See that's that's in what you're saying that's intentional ministry. Absolutely. That's it's faithful ministry but it's in, it's intentional. It's doing something it's not allowing, you know, hey, I've been faithful this week. You know, said my prayers, preached my sermon, administered my sacraments, so the problem must be everybody else. We're right. saying, no, look at yourself, examine examine what your church is doing, and do it with a spirit of kindness, do it with a spirit of gentleness. You know, every time that the Bible says exhort, this is fascinating, I did this recently, I went through and just found every time the Bible talks about exhorting, and in the pastoral letters of Paul Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and every time almost immediately he says, but do it with gentleness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, he, he knows that our tendency is going to be just to bite and devour. Yep. So it's mine. Yep. So always come back to it with a, uh, with a spirit of, of gentleness. Um, um, We're. I mean, I'm thinking. Um, we've got. We wanted to get to what I'm calling the seven points
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: here. Why don't we Why don't we look at those and okay. um, wrap up this podcast with those? Sounds and good. And then um, we've got some plans for some future podcasts. We've got a podcast coming up on uh, on the Lord's Supper. We've got a podcast coming up on uh, a book. We're going to be interviewing. Uh, author of a recently published book that's going to be coming up. Um, so we've got some some definitely great podcasts this year. Looking forward to uh, putting them together. We've got um, we have our Ordinary Means fellowship in April coming up. Uh, I'm guessing that we'll pull pull some audio from that for you to hear. So we got a lot of good things going on. I want to I do want to say appreciate the listeners. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of great comments on the blog. A lot of great comments via email. Um, you know, we might need to start saying we have four faithful listeners. We <laughs> might. We might. Because uh, I think we have more than three. Well, th- the, uh, the thing we want to end with is, is looking at what um, seven ways that the gospel establishes a thriving ordinary means ministry. Um, and I'm, I know there's more than seven. You're going to have eight, nine, ten. Uh, but these are these are the seven But oh, we're the number of perfection. <laughs> That's right. Well, if you did 12, you would oh, have, see. you know, like the foundation stones of an ordinary right. means ministry. Um, n- you know, number one, and go- this is going back to what we said in uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, when the gospel is at the center of your ordinary means ministry, it's going to create dependence. Mm-hmm. Uh, over against legalism, over against antinomianism your your people are going to begin to say uh, this is uh, th- this is not about me Give a great example of this. It's a great example because it's very personal to me is uh, some of my kids when I call them on their sin they will they will immediately say but I, and I'll stop them. I'll stop him real quick. I'll say, hold on. You're about to make an excuse, aren't you, for your sin, for mm. whatever it is you did wrong. And I'll say to him, I'll say, remember, when we sin, we should always flee to Christ. Mm. And, when we, and when we say, but I, when we make an excuse, we're fleeing to me. We're saying, uh-oh, I sinned. How can I fix this? Mm-hmm. And so I'll say to, my, say to my girls, don't fix it. Don't you fix it. Let God yep. fix it. This is, the, it's now out there. It's a sin. And that's, it's that kind of dependence where we're, where, where we as a Christian are saying, it's not about me trying to fix it. I'm not trusting what I can do. I'm going to trust in what God can do. Um, through me. Th- yep. Through me. You know, I, that is yeah. where my dependence is. And that's what the ordinary means do is they say is they say my dependence is on God. Mm. You know, when your neighbors are going, you know, why do you go to church every Sunday? You know, why aren't you you know why are you doing this Christian thing? Well, it's because I need this God. Mm. And Mm. and the ordinary means are the outward way that we say my dependence is on God.
1: Mm. Well put. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, Harry Reader puts it, when we're confronted with our sin, we can either fess up or cover up. Those are our two choices, perennially. Mm-hmm. And the ordinary yeah. means remind us, especially a service of worship where we have the Lord's Supper and where we confess our sins. Um, all of us need to fess up every single week, and that's what keeps the gospel fresh.
0: Mm. Yep, that's right. Uh, second, The second thing. Uh, so the gospel... Uh, an ordinary means ministry creates dependence. Secondly, an ordinary means ministry, I, I believe it creates a vision for long-term ministry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, I'm not you, – you may never see revival in your church. You may never see renewal in your church. There's all these R words that are popular mm-hmm, today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you may never see – You should pray
1: for it, but you may not see it.
0: Yeah, Um, because that's that's God's business. If God wants to do that, he's going to do it. Um, you know, our business is planting and watering and sowing and and in the best sense of the word, being faithful um, and then letting God harvest in his timing. But, you know, the the interesting thing is you're never going to know that you're never going to see the effect that your ministry is having on people if you're out the door every five years. Right. And usually, I'll I'll tell you why most people go out the door. Because they've tried methodologies that didn't work, and they feel downcast, they feel in despair, they feel like, you know what, this church needs somebody better than me. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, or I'm not the right fit for this church. And oftentimes that's because they tried a program that didn't work.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And... I, and I really think that if we if we stick around, if as you're speaking from as a pastor, if I'm willing to live with my mistakes, oh man, that's humbling. Mm, no doubt. It, we, you know that's humbly humbling for a congregant too, because you know somebody in your congregation commits adultery. The ideal is that that person, if they're if they're repentant, that that mm-hmm. person sticks around. Wow. That is that is humility being learned to stick around in a congregation after you've committed a sin. Right?
1: Um, and yet it can be one of the most wonderful things
0: for the person. Yeah. And for the congregation. And for the congregation. Yeah. Right, right. No doubt about it. So so I I think if our dependence is on God, then We're not going to be looking to the numbers. We're not going to be looking uh, to—I think it's going to create a long-term ministry, and I think that's important. Well,
1: it certainly keeps us from thinking, if I do this, the church will really blossom and grow. Mm -hmm. Um, When God may do that, um, you know, he may do it in a lot of different ways, um, but that's not— that's not the way that we think about it. We look at ministry as, um, you know, this is a long-term haul of helping people understand and apply the gospel to their lives, and when they do that organically, sheep beget sheep. And, but that takes a long-term view, not a quick fix.
0: We think about it this way. How many times do you have to tell your child to clean up their room? I mean, <laughs> over the years. Too you many. Know, too many. And, the, and the, the fact is, even if some of you have children who are 18 living in the house, you're still telling them to clean up their room. Well, similarly, some of these things that that are being preached in your pastorate, you're going to be telling this congregation that for years and years and years before some of them ever get it. You know, we tell our kids, we say, hey, I have a surefire way that you will not have to clean up your room anymore. And they go, "What is it?" And we go every time you play with something, put it back <laughs> and and they still it just doesn't it doesn't click
1: doesn't click and
0: yeah. um you know, but I'm hoping, and I'm praying you know that someday you know a couple of my kids will get the organization bug, and they'll it'll click, and you know well, you'll have your couple kids with the clean rooms, you'll have your couple kids with the with the messy rooms, and you know you just Trust that there is grace for both. You know, it's
1: interesting. I was talking to one of my met with one of my elders this week, and we were just talking about change in the church and how it's uh, it seems obscenely slow sometimes. How slow a church can change. Um, and this from a guy. You, you know, the first I've been in Seattle now for a year. Can you believe that, Sean? Um, and uh, it, and we've seen an, a marvelous, wonderful um, gospel transformation take place in this congregation in a year. Far more change than I thought would have been possible. And good good change, all for the better. Um, but we forget sometimes as pastors, we live with the ministry of our church every day. Most mm-hmm. of our congregation experiences the church 52 days a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what you can do in basically two months, if you were, say, the owner of a business... 40 work days, two and a half months, What you can do in two and a half months because the people are touching it every work day, you can do in a year in a church in terms of transformation. And we forget that. Well, I forget that. Mm-hmm. I forget that although I live with this every day, that people's experience of it is, is uh, you know, it's once a week, most of them. It's mm-hmm. once a week. And so this is a very, it's a very slow you got to be prepared for a patient sort of process.
0: Yeah. Were you at that conference with Phil Ryken when he said um, when he said to us he had asked one of his mentors what's the most difficult thing about ministry? What's the easiest thing about ministry? Were you at that conference? I don't think so. No. He said, and the, I'd the, love to hear it. The answer he got back was the 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 easiest thing is uh, coming up with a vision for where you want the church to go, and the hardest thing in the world is slow change. Yeah. Interesting. So, Oof. so yeah, which fits in exactly with what you were just saying, right? Um, That's good. the The third thing, so God, so ordinary means create dependence. Secondly, they create a vision for long term ministry. Third, um, I, this is the way I put it: is pastoral power uh, becomes pastoral care again. When the trust is in the ordinary means, there is a tendency for people to look to you as the pastor, as the guy, you know, as the guy with the ability that if they just sit down with you for for 45 minutes, you boom, you You shall be sanctified. Yes, exactly. And that's just not true, right? Um, you know, we're not miracle
1: workers, Sean. Seriously.
0: Seriously. Well, how many times do, does a pastor go into a counseling situation, then come out of it kicking themselves that it didn't go the way that they wanted it to go? Mm. And you know, the, you go into the situation and if you're a conservative pastor, you know, you ministered the word to them. Right. And if you're a progressive pastor, you know, you reviewed personality tests with them. <laughs> <laughs> but but whatever the case, whatever the case is, whatever you did, whatever it is you're kicking yourself about, I love how John Piper puts it. John Piper says, says, you do not even understand the 14 trillion things that God is doing through you in that situation.
1: Yeah, that's great. And
0: that's, you know, that's perspective. And I think the ordinary means create perspective because our dependence isn't on my power to change people, it's on God's power to change people in ordinary ways, in ways, in 14 trillion ways that I don't even, you know, I don't even understand. Hmm. You know, the ministry is is not about the pastor. Mm-hmm. It's about God. You know, that, that is freeing. Absolutely. It's freeing to a congregation. They don't have to have all these expectations. Expectations of one man; it's freeing to the pastor. He doesn't have to live with all of those expectations. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Fourth thing, we'll just—I think the, these last are, are fairly straightforward. Uh, the fourth thing is that it frees up our ministry, and we, we've said this today. It frees our ministry from both the tyranny of faithfulness and the keeping up with the Kellers. Yep. You know, it frees us from using faithfulness as an excuse. It frees us up from, you know, having to follow after every methodology that comes our way.
1: Right. And it recognizes that even as we're, critiquing Tim Keller, that there's a lot of things that we value about him. We're using me as an example. You could use yeah. purpose-driven, well, you could use anything. Fill in yeah. the blank with your favorite denominational programmatic emphasis. Yeah. There's things to be valued in lots of places, but we're saying value it within um, the ordinary means framework that the Scripture gives us.
0: Yeah. yeah. Keller just happens to be the guy that everybody's copying right now in the PCA. Right. And So it doesn't mean we're critiquing. and
1: copying poorly. I might add.
0: Yes and no. Yes, I've seen I've seen good good versions and bad versions of Keller. Uh, Keller yeah, I, I, Kellerites I, I find, is that what they call them? What's that? Kellerites is that what they call people? Yeah, who I don't, follow I don't know. I don't know. But
1: it, one of the things that I found is that many times the associate pastor and I here we're talking about this this week. Many times the apple falls far from the tree. If you listen to Keller, he's incredibly centered on the gospel. Mm-hmm. But it is frequent that you walk away from a sermon going, I just got hit with a two-by-four, Yeah. and I didn't mind it. And um, Keller strikes that very, very well, a gospel-centered application. Um, yeah. And I wish more people who followed him would work as hard at preaching as he does and doing that well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he's done some great stuff in revising Clowney. Mm. Um, I don't know if you knew this, Matt, but he and Clowney taught a preaching course. It's available online at uh, RTS's iTunes. Uh, no, thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, they taught. They t- team taught a preaching course. Wow. Yeah, that was my thought.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> and pretty and it's cool. good.
0: It's good. I've heard. I've heard some of it. So, if you're a preacher, you need some. You want to review your preaching? That's a. It's a good way to do it. Mm, that's good. Uh, fifth point. Why should you you know how does the ordinary means uh, thrive? How does it create a gospel dependence? Well, you know it's biblical. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's you're what you're doing when you're striving after the ordinary means is you're putting biblical methodology as central to your ministry and to your congregation. Uh, it makes the sacraments important again. You know, they aren't just something we do that's some rote practice.
1: Oh, it's the Lord's Supper again this week. Oh yeah, oh, yeah.
0: oh goody. You know, uh, no, it's this is wow. You know, we need this. Yes. You know, i I need to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. I need to be. Um, I need that strengthening of faith that comes as I eat of the bread and take of the cup. Hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, I need to hear a sermon. Because I need to hear God speak to me again. Mm. So it's, it's, it's biblical. Um, yep. Makes repentance possible is number six. Um, because we're, we're giving repentance an opportunity. We're removing, when we remove self from the picture and we yep. make it about God, um, we don't have to flee to self anymore. The reason we flee to self when we sin, when we say, Uh oh, I sinned, how can I fix this? The reason we do that is because we're not relying on God. And the ordinary means remind us week after week after week You need Jesus. I, I need Jesus to put it <laughs> in that I cut you
1: off. But Yeah, I yep. need Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Well and I think too that what it does is it, it um it frees us from ever having to repent of um, of mistaking a new idea for the power of God. Both of us have I think have been in circumstances mm, of ministry. I like
0: that. Ministering, I
1: like that. Yeah. ministering with other people where they thought and they felt that like, they really had to, de- to really defend their idea of what was really important for the church to do right now, some particular program or whatever and they were ready to go for war on that. And we're saying the number of things that we're ready to go for war under are these. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to go to war with you on these, um, they're probably in the wrong church. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah. if, and, and if you're not ready to go for to, for war on these and say, no, we're not going to develop that new program because it's going to take our people away from – having a simple life where they pray for unbelievers and they try and bring that gospel word to bear in their lives. And we think that's actually more crucial than providing X consumer program for our church. Um, Now, that may get you in trouble, Mm -hmm. but that's good good
0: trouble to be in. Yeah.
1: That's good trouble to be in.
0: Well, finally, number seven, um, I I think, and this ties into what you've just said, Matt, it it frees us to be saved and to save others. It frees mm. us to live. Mm. You know, as, as Martin Luther put it, sin boldly. Yeah. You know, don't don't be worried about what. Uh, uh, don't don't be so worried about sinning that you don't obey. Mm. Mm. And the ordinary means say, my dependence is not in me; they're in God. And so I can I can live, and I can live the Christian life, and I can minister to people because I know God is at work.
1: Mm.
0: Which is freeing,
1: desperately freeing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is nice.
0: And that's, I think that's where we need to end this. Um, I want to thank folks for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, we'll be back again next month uh in between now and then uh, feel free to catch up i've had a number of people tell me uh, just in the past few weeks they're they're catching up on all the old podcasts we've got when when did we start this matt was it 2007
1: maybe that long ago
0: so I'm not sure. so we got a couple of years of podcasts i think that's about right yeah i i think we got a Wait couple years of podcasts years. if you want to catch up um you know we might have said some stuff way back when that we don't We've changed our mind on, but you know what? The the views expressed in this podcast are purely those of Matt and Sean at the moment when we say them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and may have changed five minutes later. Um, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, while you're waiting for the next podcast to come out, you need something to do. Go check out BibleStudyMagazine.com. Uh, they're not sponsoring us or anything like that. But uh, Matt did just write, you wrote a review, right?
1: I wrote a review of the ESV
0: Study Bible. Okay. And that uh, which
1: is, if you haven't if you haven't used that, and we'll put a little plug up on the blog about uh, Bible Study Magazine so you can link to it. Good folks. I know the editor personally and uh, was privileged to write a review for them. And um, it's a good study Bible. Go get it. Oh, it is a good study Bible. And it's actually Bible, yeah. really inexpensive right now. I think, boy, was it CBD that I saw I had it for 20 bucks this week, the hardcover, yeah, which is I insane. Yeah, it might
0: be CBD, yeah. Yeah, right on the front
1: cover the, of the DVD catalog is
0: Christian Christian
1: Book, Book Distributors.
0: Christian Book Distributors. I think it's ChristianBook.com.
1: ChristianBook.com, dot com. dot com, yeah. And they had it for about twenty bucks. And it is a tremendous, tremendous study Bible. So
0: now is your uh, review is your review on the website or is it just in the in the physical Ah uh, then now there's a good question.
1: Um I'm actually not sure. If you want to keep talking for a second, I can look on the website okay. and well, tell you whether
0: in it's the, the case. It's in the March April edition. Which is, right. is the March-April edition? Their premiere edition, or have they been out for a couple? It of is
1: uh, this. This actually, I think, their second or third edition. Okay. Uh, so it, uh, Let me just get to the front page of the website, and you know what? I think that they've got um, the init, the inaugural edition. You can kind of look at online, okay. but it doesn't look like they've actually got it. It's a um, yeah. They've got a preview edition online and so you're able to look at um, you, kind of some of the articles from the from the beginning some samples okay but uh, it's the whole thing is not on um, uh, not online but you can hear about um, the associate editor the the whatever he's got a uh, there's an introduction to it online
0: so you find
1: uh, out more about the magazine at the website yep at bible
0: okay well very good well thank you for listening uh, and until next ta- time may god rich bless you as you pursue pursue him i can 't i can 't talk can we try this again? May God sure. richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means.